Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program for this very mm, winter-like Monday Monday morning. Good morning and uh, thanks for coming in and joining us today. It is uh, the final day. Before the local elections um, in both the interior and uh, in, down on the peninsula. Um, and so today we are going to take some time to focus on, well, the important stuff. The local elections, local um, candidates and happenings. And this is just an opportunity to uh, hear about kind of what's going on and to be able to make your decisions uh, for what's happening now, the uh, Matsu elections are going to be happening. <clears throat> excuse me, in November, and so we do have a little bit of time to get in on that before we go too far. We will uh, we'll see if we can get um, uh, we'll see if we can get those folks on and uh, uh, be talking about that here uh, in the uh, in the coming weeks here before we get to the Matsu one, but. Right now it is uh, Interior and Kenai Peninsula uh, today. So this morning, uh, in just a little bit, we're going to be joined by Bill Elam, who is running for re-election down on the uh, peninsula. Um, And uh, we're going to talk with him. I believe he's covering the Funny River um, uh, portion of the uh, Kenai Peninsula. I believe it's in that district. Uh, And then in Hour 2... We move up to the interior, and we'll be talking with Aaron uh, Gibson, uh, who is running for the borough assembly in uh, Fairbanks. And uh, so it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be some good information. Um, you know, the one thing that we can count on is uh, the things that we can affect here locally. And that's what we need to kind of focus on with what we've got going on uh, in in the country right now. I mean, there's all kinds of shenanigans in the whole government shutdown that was averted. And now there's going to be a huge contentious thing about whether or not McCarthy is going to remain speaker and blah, 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 blah. Nothing that we can affect here. Nothing that, you know, nothing to see here. Move along. Right. That's <laughs> that's where we're going. That's that's just none of that stuff is we can we have no if all you have to do is look at to see what kind of a good old boys club this whole thing is. All you have to do is uh, take a look and watch um, the eulogy for uh, uh, Dianne Feinstein that was delivered by Lisa Murkowski 
uh, on Friday. Um, and now this is the same Diane Feinstein, by the way, who had voted against Alaska economy, who had not, not wanted to allow the expansion of any kind of resource development. I mean, all this, thing. not a friend of, <clears throat> not a friend of Alaska, right? Not a, not a friend of Alaska, but Murkowski for six minutes and change waxed poetic about how she'll be missed and how, you know, all this other kind of stuff and how she was so great and an extraordinary woman and a friend. And but now, again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't get along with those people that we oppose, but <laughs> at some point you just got to be like, OK, this whole we can't affect a thing out there. Maybe that sounds a little two-faced on my part because I'm constantly going on about how we should be able to get along with people we don't agree with. But at the same time, to me, it's just an example of why we're, we can't affect really anything that's going on. Washington is its own little ecosphere. D.C., just like Juno in many ways, is kind of its own little ecosphere where they're doing their own thing and we, you know. But in Washington, we're so far removed, we can't really make we can't make a difference in any of those things uh, we, we really can't i mean we get a chance to vote every few years on who's there and everything else but as we've seen time and time and time again in murkowski for example you can't cut them out with a chainsaw even if they do get voted out of their own party they just turn around and manipulate the situation to where they continue it is it just it is what it is that's why we should be focusing on what's going on in our own communities, in our own little bailiwicks, right? And whether that's the, <clears throat> the school board, the, the, the city council, the community council, the borough assemblies, uh, the road service areas, the, 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 I don't know, dog catcher. We should be paying attention to what's going on down at uh, the local level. And this to me is just one more example of what's going on uh, here and why we should be paying close attention to it. So um, that's kind of the drive behind everything that uh, we're gonna be doing here over the next few weeks with the, and what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks with the local elections <clears throat> and uh, talking about the candidates and talking to the candidates for all these reasons as well. So that's, that's how we roll. So Bill Elam, Aaron Gibson, that's what's coming up. Let me hit you with a couple of headlines here before we get too far along. And we'll start talking about, um, we'll, we'll, we'll just get into, we'll get into what we got going on here. A couple of news stories. Um, <clears throat> one of them, well, I guess we'll just start with this one. So this one is out of the uh, Alaska Beacon. Claire Strempel uh, writing uh, this morning. Uh, this story dropped early this morning, and I was reading it, and I was just, <laughs> just we keep going on and on about education, right? And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking specifically about how this pipeline, what I like to call the pipeline to poverty, uh, where you are basically take indoctrinating these kids that what they need to do is get a good high school education, get a good education, go to college, get a good job, you'll be successful. Um, of course, they never talk about the hundreds of thousands of dollars that you will accrue in debt by absolutely 
compelling everyone to go to college uh, or, you know, encouraging every person to go to college. And yet we still continue to to see stories like this, again, from Claire Strempel in the Alaska Beacon. Jobs are available in Alaska, but the workforce to fill them isn't there. This is a report from the Association of Alaska School Boards, and they linked it to, gasp and surprise, underfunding public schools. That's, no, the Association of Alaska School Boards says they're not getting enough money and that's why we're failing? I mean, color me shocked. And especially what we're missing is guidance counselors and guidance programs, not teachers, not more people to educate children in the classroom, not more instructors and as instructions and, and instructors to reduce the overall class size. No, what we're missing is guidance counselors and guidance programs. I mean, this is just insane. Um, the coordinator for the Alaska Association or Association of Alaska School Boards said the money and support are just one piece of the puzzle. Another is creating a culture around college and future planning for students. They, wa- they are wanting to create, the, again, this culture around how everybody needs to go to college. And they talk about a grant program that used to be, um, that used to be out there. It was the Alaska College and Career Guide Program that basically pushed everybody to college after the whole thing was done. And one of the people that they quoted in here was the former principal of the Bethel Regional High School. She's now the president of APU of Alaska Pacific University. Um, She said the program had great results because it created a culture of celebration and support around any post-secondary education. They glorified, they sexified it. It made it sexy, right? I mean, they glorified, this is what she's saying. The program had great results because it created a culture of celebration and support around any post-secondary education. Here's where, here's where things got weird for me, though, when I'm starting to read these numbers. At Bethanel Regional High School, only about 30% of the students were college-bound before this grant program came about, below the state average at the time. But after the school brought on college counselors and near peers, former high school students who navigated the college process, the numbers roughly doubled. They said sending nearly 70% to college or post-secondary opportunities was a big success. That's the only time they ever talk about anything in this article but college. College or post-secondary opportunities, which I'm assuming must be voc ed or something, which Again, should be a bigger push in my opinion, but you know, anyway, after sending nearly 70% to college or post-secondary opportunities, what impressed her was about half of those students got their degree. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, so you're sending 70%, 70% of these students are going for our college, but you're crowing about the fact that only half of them completed it. Is that, is that really a success? If, if you're sending, that means in the long run that what, 35% of the overall students actually 
went to got got a degree or something else. The average, by the way, the state average is below 20%, they quote in this article. Again, glorifying college, sending 70% out and only 30, 35% succeed. Meanwhile, how many years have the other ones, how many years did they make it? How many, how much debt did they take on just to fail? Maybe we should start talking about, well, I don't know, planning them, you know, there should be other plans other than regular old college. Because obviously not everybody, anyway, this whole thing, it just, it, you know, again, the first shocking thing was, oh, they said that it's all linked to underfunding of public schools. Yeah, because that's absolutely, I'm sure that that's the only reason why any of this stuff is going on is because we're just underfunding them. And what we need is more guidance counselors rather than more teachers. But it, this this whole thing is just, you know, this idea that they're trying, and here's what's, well, here's part of what's happening. They're trying to bolster the, you know, the pipeline to, to, to college are trying to keep it as, as positive as, because it's falling off because people are starting college enrollment is starting to crater across the country. There has been, especially thanks in, in large part due to COVID that kind of started it. But I think more and more people are realizing that they, it's not something that they really need. And so it's really started. And so now they're like, Oh, we got to prop up the pipeline. We can't let that, we can't let that cash cow go. But they're happy about the fact that you get only half of the people who are going to college succeed. That's a win. That's, no, that's what I, that's what I call failure. I mean, right now we're, we got one in four don't even graduate. And half of those that do graduate need more education to just get into college. I mean, but it's all, it's all because we don't have enough guidance counselors. I I can't even wrap my brain around this. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Hour two dead ahead or hour one dead ahead. Bill Elam, our guest. Hour two, Aaron Gibson. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Oh, my. Uh, it's Monday. And I feel like hammered dog poo. Damn. Um... Why is it uh, why is it called Funny River? Oh man. I just uh blah, blah, blah. All right. Wait, please make that face again the disgusted one. I can't even I mean The, the the this report this whole thing when it comes down to it and it's like 
oh, we need it's underfunding public schools and we especially need guidance counselors and guidance programs. We need teachers in the classroom. We need more teachers in the classroom. We need to, you know, pull down that class size a bit, give more money, make sure more of this money flows into the stu- into the teachers instead of, I mean, how many guidance counselors do we have now versus when I was in high school 40 years ago? 40 years. I mean, how many, how many, it's, it's just nutty. It's just nutty. Uh, Um, yeah, yeah. So you only stop your dreams, get back up. Yeah. No, look, I'm not saying that, you know, people aren't going to fail. We all fail at some point. But they're holding up, again, this whole pipeline of, you know, go to the schools and get the thing and then go to college. And, you know, they they all and they put again, they say it's a celebration. There's a celebratory. They um, the program results in creating a culture of celebration and support around any post-secondary education. Like that's the way the way to be. And then but they don't tell you that half of the people that go do that are, are failing. And of course, you know, you've taken on, uh, you know, however much, you, even when I went to college, I, I mean, it was $10,000 a semester to go to college. That's, I mean, I paid off my student loan. It took me three or four years to pay it off. But for the one semester that I went to college, it was $10,000 in student debt for housing and everything else, 10,000 bucks. So, I mean, what is it today? It is what it is. We need teachers that do not teach their personal ideology. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, yes, you're right. Yeah, it's a a thing. I went to a small high school, says Charlie. We didn't have a guidance counselor. Yeah, no, I with you on that. I think we had, I think there was one counselor in the school that we had, if I remember correctly. I don't know if they called him a guidance counselor. That's kind of what he did. That was, and I remember I talked to him one time and I'm like, nope, Uh, you know, I just, oh, Rick said, did I hear hammered dog poo? That's not pretty. No, that's, but that's exactly, you picture that. And that's exactly what I feel like. That's exactly what I feel like today. Um, um, let's see, celebrate a student doing something after high school instead of sitting on their butt. Well, no, I mean, I get that. I agree with that. Whoa, what's that? Denise said, we got 14 curriculum advisors in the Matsu. All of them were teachers in the classroom. Are they like counselors or are they just advising on the curriculum? Yeah. Jerica says, businesses don't care about degrees. 75% of kids that go to college will still end up serving tables, making three times the salary that degree will get them. Ah, uh, yeah. was talking, uh, my, my boss was in town the other day. For the radio station, he said he was out talking to, uh, he was thought maybe he could hire somebody. Anyway, he said he ended up talking to this bartender at Chili's, of all places. And they're like, yeah, you know, you interested in doing something else or whatever? How much you making? $70,000 a year being a part-time bart. It's it's nuts. All right. Um, <clears throat> I see Bill's in the wings here. Hopefully his audio is working okay because we are up against it. We're about to return back to the radio. So fingers crossed that this all works. Here we go. The Michael Duke show 
Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. Let's do this. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. All right, welcome back to the program. It is the Monday edition of the show, and we are ready to go. Um, About to dive into it here. Uh, Our guest is uh, Bill Elam, who is running for re-election in the Kenai Peninsula Borough. Let's uh, go over here, and uh, he's in the green room right now. We didn't get a chance to test the audio before we jumped in, but I can hear, I can hear the background, so he must be okay. Good morning, sir. How are how are you? I'm I'm good. How are you? Can you, you hear me all right? I can hear you okay. It's uh, we're doing good. So thanks for coming on board and uh, joining <laughs> us this morning. Um, we're focusing primarily on local elections, trying to uh, let everybody know. Uh, what's happening and who's up there and what's uh, what the de- what the details, what the big issues are. And so we thought we'd bring you on this morning to talk about those things. So let's uh, let's get started uh, for folks who don't know, uh, who maybe been living under a rock. You've been you've been in the public eye for a while now. But uh, <laughs> tell folks about you, Bill Elam, you know, where you, you know, who you are, where you are, where you come from. And uh, let's get started. Uh, let's get started right there. Yeah, great. Uh, no, thanks for having me on this morning. Um, I've been uh, on the borough assembly now for uh, three years, so wrapping up on my first term and uh, live down here on the Kenai, uh, represent uh, District 5, which is the Sterling and Funny River areas of uh, the Kenai Peninsula. And so uh, if you kind of draw it out on a map, it uh, my fans aren't working well in front of the camera yet. Uh, a little more coffee is what's needed. Um, and so uh, I go from the east side of Sterling all the way over to uh, the southern edge of the city of Soldatna, uh, and then clear down to uh, nearly Kasilov. Uh, so for a, a borough area, that's pretty good sized. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I uh, been uh, uh, the school district uh, liaison for the uh, for the assembly. Uh, been the uh, CES assembly liaison as well. Done a couple of trips down to Juno as the legislative delegate. Um, and then, uh, you know, a little bit more about me and, you know, my family, uh, my, uh, wife and I met in, uh, Western Washington, I guess probably about 12 years ago, something like that. Um, and so, uh, then I convinced her that she really needed to move home. She's originally from, uh, Soldotna. I've lived in a bunch of places down South, um, originally from Florida and, uh, moved up to the Northwest whenever I was a kid. And so, uh, my wife and I, started having a, a family and everything. And I did not want uh, to do that down there uh, where we were at. So uh, like I said, I convinced her to, to move home. And so now I have um, three boys, William, James, Andrew, they uh, range from four years old to nine years old. And, uh, and we're, we're loving life down here on the Kenai. Well, first and foremost, I got to say, you're going to be in trouble if you can't remember when you met your wife. Okay. So first of all, that's going to, she, she, hopefully, she's, I live. hopefully she's not listening this morning because that would be, that would be bad. Um, you know, Bill, uh, let's talk for a minute about what, um, you know, when exactly did you lose your mind is how I like to quote the question. What, what, what made you jump into this crazy, crazy thing called local politics? I mean, you just listed a whole bunch of different stuff. 
that you've been doing on the assembly, but something must have tripped you over the edge. I mean, was it just uh, civic duty? Was it uh, one specific issue? Did you, you know, throw your window open and shake your fist out the window and say, I'm mad as hell and not going to take it anymore? What was the what was the thing that caused you to do it? <laughs> you know, I guess there was a series of those various events throughout the last, you know, however many years. Uh, but I guess the uh, the biggest thing that got me to to run is the uh, the the Norm Blakely was the uh, the guy that was sitting in my seat before I uh, before I had uh, my position. Um on the assembly and uh i got a call from him one day and he said that they were looking for uh for somebody to do you know a, a spot on the assembly you know he was looking for a replacement and he had uh he had checked with actually a friend of mine which was his uh family member i can't remember exactly how their uh family line goes there but we're close friends and uh then i started actually really kind of paying attention and looking at what was going on because I told him straight out of the gate, I'm like, nah, you got the wrong guy. Uh, I am not a politician. I don't want anything to do with any of this stuff. Um, but then as I started kind of seeing more about what was going on, uh, it took me a couple months really to to really kind of warm up to the idea. And then uh, what was going on, uh, not only, you know, with the monies and social issues and stuff that goes on here in the on the peninsula, but uh, that being on the assembly would allow me to have some influence over that and so um ultimately i wanted to just kind of leave the place a little better than i found it and uh and take care of the community as best i could or at least participate for my kids and really future generations you know it's interesting because i mean i i i was on a similar path in the fairbanks north starborough i i went on the assembly there uh, to begin with, because I was I was frustrated with some of the direction things were going and some of the things that we're taking. It's interesting to me how uh, okay. now you're you're a noted conservative, right? So I mean, I'm not trying to call anything out of school here, but it's interesting that in some of the areas in the state that are considered probably to be you know more uh, redder or conservative areas, that we have local bodies that generally speaking have been trending more more towards the more liberal or progressive side, and I think it has to do again with you know, what I was saying earlier is that we're just not paying attention to what's going on locally. We're so wrapped up in John Boehner crying on TV or what's happening in the grand juries or what, you know, anything, the shutdown or whatever, whatever bread and circuses they're throwing at us through the TV that we're not really paying attention to local issues. And we have to start jumping into that. What were some of the issues that caught your attention in the beginning there as you looked at this for the first time, trying to decide if you wanted to, you know, drop headlong into this? What were the things that were like, whoa, that's not right. Oh, that's not right. You just mentioned a couple of them, but let's get into specifics. What are some of the things that caught your attention? Um, well, so of all the things, uh, I got into local politics at probably the worst time you could historically ever do. Um, and so it was in, uh, I was, I, I started looking into it around March of uh, COVID. <laughs> and then right. um, it, it as it progressed all the way up into October there, um, we went from, yeah, there's going to be some issues here and we're going to take care of our community to kids are getting out of school and everybody's going to wear masks and, and everything. So um, it was definitely a, a quick ramp up of not wanting to live my life this way um, and, and sort of refusing to uh, have other people's will just kind of totally imposed on my community. <laughs> 
Right, exactly. Well, I mean, that was one of the things, especially, but it was so refreshing to see Charlie Pierce stand up there and say, hey, we're open for business when everybody else was shutting down. Uh, you just had to kind of keep the assembly in line uh, for, for what's going on. So let's talk a little bit about your track record. You mentioned your liaison with the schools and some of the other things. Um, if you were going to toot your own horn a little bit and go back at the accomplishments that you have uh, worked on over the last couple of years, uh, let's talk about your track record. What are some of the things that you feel like you have uh, you've done while you've been in the assembly? Let's let's talk about some of the positives there. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on. Um, you know, I don't know that sometimes conservatives and you know when you start talking about politics and everything, I think sometimes no can be a verb, right? Uh, in what you didn't uh, do or didn't allow happen, right? You know, so. Right. Um, your, but, nick, your uh, nickname, your nickname is Dr. No, right? That was my, that was my nickname <laughs> on the assembly. Dr. No, because I just was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so there was a lot of that. Uh, but then also, uh, I've helped, uh, work through, um, quite a few things. So, um, this last year, I mean, we've been mired down in the better part of a year's worth of work on conditional land use permits. So gravel pits. Uh, that's been a, a pretty sticky issue for uh, for most of the community. You have either people believing that you're not doing enough or that you're doing too much. Um, and so uh, uh, my stance has been consistently that, yeah, there's some things we can do to, to help take care of some of our land and be good stewards of it, uh, but you can't legislate good neighbors. So, um, you know, if we're second class borough, let's, let's work through this. Um, managed to get a piece of state statute changed. Uh, there was a state statute that required, um, basically, since we have nine borough districts, we also have five either home run or first class cities uh, in the peninsula. So we had 14 members basically is what it got up to uh, for our planning commission, managed to get state statute changed and brought down so that uh, we could make some modifications on the assembly level. And so at the assembly level, we were then able to um, change the planning commission from 14 down to nine. So it kind of matches up to the uh, the boundaries of the assembly seats. Uh, the problem is, is that uh, had a little typo in there and uh, there's still a little bit of space for some of the cities to have some kind of thoughts and stuff. But, you know, the cities have zoning. They have all of those powers. The The borough doesn't you know has delegated those authorities out so having dedicated seats for cities that have zoning really didn't make a ton of sense to me i mean i get that there's the plotting and planning lines but yeah you'd be surprised how controversial something like that would be uh but it was a lot more efficient um you know i got uh some staffing out funny river for uh the firehouse that's out there uh we really did a lot of work on um we we had you know COVID dollars that needed to be spent, but we were not going to be masking people up and, and and all of that. So we really made some some differences here in solid waste, uh, some of our uh, buildings and heating and air handlers. Um, you know uh, all the really non glamorous things, but that's kind of what we did with a lot of our COVID dollars. Um, and and so that was something I thought was actually kind of good. It really kind of helped stimulate a lot of the local economy. Um, but, you know, we were open for business, so we didn't really have right. uh, the same problems that a lot of folks had. You know, the other thing was, is I was a big advocate. And, you know, as we've moved out of COVID, I've kind of 
not wanted to have that sort of toxic nostalgia of, of really even talking about some of the nonsense that was going on, but uh, was really able to work closely with the school district. And uh, once we got new administration, uh, new superintendent uh, was able to, to work with everybody there. And we were able to get our kids back in school. I think one of the earliest of everybody here in the state, I know I caught a lot of heat at it at a couple of uh, municipal events where I'm like, yeah, uh, you guys can keep passing the microphone around, but that's not the experience we've got going on down here on the Kenai. Right. No, I mean, I think those are some of the big hot, hot button issues, you know, the, especially the education, since this was the, uh, you know, this was the greatest learning gap in, in national history where we lost a lot of it because they wouldn't send the kids back to school. I think the Kenai and the Matsu were almost tied neck and neck for who was putting kids back to school first. And I think that, you know, I think it was important to get them back in there and, and you know, get things cranking on that again. Um, I want to continue. I do want to talk uh, for just a bit here on this private property rights thing, because I think that is, um, you know, with platting and planning and all that kind of stuff, because I think that's important. Uh, I do want to discuss yeah. that. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back here in just a second. Bill Elam is our guest. He's running for re-election on the Kenai Peninsula Borough. Um, I've got, uh, we'll see if we take any questions from the chat room here during the break and we'll see if we can get some more information. Uh, we'll continue with him here in just a moment. Uh, Aaron Gibson from the Fairbanks North Star Borough is going to be joining us in hour two. So we're going to move up to the interior. Don't forget tomorrow is election day and we're going to talk about that. Back with more right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the break right now uh, with uh, Bill Elam. Um, and uh, we're going to go through. Maybe he knows why it's called Funny River. Somebody was asking earlier, why is it called Funny River? I have no idea. Maybe it's hysterical. I just, uh, any idea, Bill, why it's called Funny River? I honestly do not know why it is called Funny River. I have asked that question a few times, and I know um, the birds out there by the golf course, and they have, uh, I know that, you know, the guy, her her husband put in the road on a bulldozer and everything, but it's been named Funny River as long as I know. Um and and nobody really ever seems to have a good answer for that. <laughs> yeah, just one of those I wish things, I did though. One of those things where it's like, <laughs> I just I have no idea. I have no idea what it's called. Um <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. Um you were talking about, you know, the the planning commission, the planning and, and zoning and planning uh planning commission having all these members. I mean, you've got a borough that's the size of some states. Right. I mean, the borough, West Virginia. Yeah, it covers the <laughs> encompasses the entire peninsula uh, with all these different home rule cities that are in it. Um, and yet, in some cases, we're expected to believe that some centralized planning committee in one area is going to be able to tell somebody who lives in the hinterlands outside of Seward or Homer or someplace else how they, you know, what they should be able to do with their property and how they should be able to live and all these kind they have some kind of comprehensive master plan that's going to, um, and at some point it's just, you know, it, it just doesn't work on that kind of scale, 
right? I mean, if you live inside of a city, you've got zoning, as you mentioned. But if you live outside of the city, which is a choice, by the way, you choose to live outside of a city, you bought property outside of a city limits, then at some point, somebody needs to say, that's just not, it's none of your business. None of you. It's none of your business what I'm doing. As long as I'm not creating a nuclear reactor out here or, you know, polluting the waters of, of the area, then it really shouldn't matter at that point, right? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, like I said, you can't, you're not going to make good neighbors out of somebody by creating some law or code or, or ordinance and, and finding one rule that works in Seldovia and Tyonic and Seward and Kenai and Soldatna isn't going to happen. I mean, you're not going to make one rule that's going to work good in Kenai and Soldatna, let alone, you know, Nikiski, right? Just up this, you know, road there a little bit. Uh, and and Sterling has more people <clears throat> than Soldatna does by a significant number. And, you know, they have chosen as a community, anytime you go out there and you talk to anybody about anything, you know, you'll hear people start pitching, you know, let's have an idea, you know, and so they'll pitch that you, you know, let's, let's maybe talk about city or maybe a local option zone. I'm like, well, you know that, you know, you're not gonna be able to ride your four wheeler down the middle of the street anymore. Right. Oh yeah. That's yeah. a bad idea. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, 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 and so, you know, the second we start going down that road, nobody wants anything to do with it. Even, even the people that are sort of pro let's talk about having a city or zoning. So they want, a big voice. They want to have a seat at the table, but they want small government. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I mean, I, I think that's the thing. It's it's almost like you get to that Californication thing where people leave, you know, an area like California because of all the overarching regulations. And then they get to someplace and they're like, oh, we should uh, we should have we had this back home in California. We should have that here. You left because of all those things. You don't yeah. necessarily want to bring all that up into uh into your new local community. But that seems to be human nature is that they yearn for the way that it used to be, even though the way that it used to be is the reason they left. And they seem to forget it. They've got that kind of short memory. And, you know, honestly, we don't need that here in Alaska. What we need is we need to be left alone for the most part, as long as we're not hurting anybody or hurting the environment or hurting some, you know, we just basically need to be uh, left alone. Um, and, uh, and I think that that's, uh, that's important. Um, let me go back here. I'm scrolling through to see if there's any other questions. Um, uh, yeah, you, so you left, you left Florida at an early age, you said, and then we're in the Pacific Northwest and then yeah. came up here. Yeah. Yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I, my formative years were in the, uh, inland Northwest, uh, over by the Spokane, uh, area there. And so it was, it was way more conservative, but my, my day job is technology. Uh, I do, uh, I've been doing it infrastructure and cybersecurity stuff for the better part of uh, 27 years or something like that. And so I went over to Seattle for a few years to get some tech experience and some Fortune 50 companies on the old resume so that I could springboard into something bigger and better. And uh, I was able to to keep it together down there for six or seven years. And like I said, I met my wife just as I was like on my way out. So I was like, where are you from? Alaska? Well, we should talk. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I worked in Seattle to get that Fortune 50 on my resume and then moved to Alaska. That was the... <laughs> wow. That was, that was yep, like... exactly. Um, all right. Well, we're going to... Uh, the ding means we're about to rejoin the radio. So we're going to go get back into that here. We're going to continue. Um, <clears throat> the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share. Like and follow. 
subscribe, do all the YouTube things that you need to do. Go over to YouTube. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube yet, I suggest you do so just to hook a brother up and help me out. Like and subscribe and share it from wherever you're at right now. Here we go. Jumping back into it right now. Public anima number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. Pain in the what? No, no. My mom says I was a perfect angel. Perfect angel. I'm sure. I'm sh- she said that. Just perfect angel. Nothing ever. No problems. Uh, welcome back to the program. Uh, hour one continues. We're finishing up here. One final segment with Bill Elam, who is running for re-election uh, on the uh, Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly from the Funny River area. Um, Bill, uh, you were just talking about platting and planning and zoning. Private property rights is a big thing for me. It was one of the things when I look back at my time in the assembly, it was people say, what was it like serving in the borough assembly? Well, you said, you see, you see that door, just slam your hand in that door repeatedly until you're unconscious. And when you wake up, do it again. That's just kind of, you know, it feels, feels bad, man. Hashtag feels bad, man. But when it was all said and done, I felt like the one thing we were able to do was try and protect property rights, uh, for the people protecting things like general use and things like that, including grandfather rights in areas that was changed. Um, is that an important thing for you down there? It sounds like you were talking about planning and planning and zoning in this huge area that's the size of a state, you know, some central committee dictating to everybody what they could do. Is that uh, is that is that something that you uh, you feel strongly about? Yeah, actually, it's a it's a big issue. And I mean, I've, I've been able to, you know, there, there's a lot of issues out there. Right. But it's those little issues that actually really I enjoy fixing the most. And so. Um, I had a, uh, was driving through my community, saw a lady pumping her yard out with a trash pump, right? You know, like a, it's got a gas powered engine, you know, like a real trash pump, right? And she was draining her yard and had a fire hose drooped over the street, which was our street, a borough street, and pumping water into the ditch so that it would continue down the hill. Like she lives on a hill um, and her yard was, a swamp and it was because the developer put didn't put a culvert in before the borough took on the road and so you know i don't know that she even knows who i am um but you know i made a phone call and uh, a couple of weeks later they put in a culvert down there and, and fixed it right you know so that was that was something i really enjoy doing is helping on those kinds of smaller issues had a, a plotting and planning thing come up not long ago where a developer was trying to do some work um and i mean it was obvious that they had put the house in the wrong spot but there was a view and there was a backyard that was needed and and various things you know so and they so they built into the easement knowing that it's just a, a rubber stamp go and go and so they wanted to remove i mean it was going to island off other people's properties so that they could, you know, build out this house. And I mean, it was a nice home and everything, but I'm like, you know, th- so those are things that I was able to kind of help take care of. Um, but then also, you know, like you say, general land use, uh, public access, uh, you know, we have a lot of public lands down here on the peninsula. The majority of the land is, is public lands. Um, and so you have to be really kind of cautious with how you're doing some of those easement vacations. And, um, you know, the other thing is, is, 
there's only so many lakes that are within driving distance, right? You know, lakes, rivers, those kinds of things. If you start giving out or giving up public easement, then nobody will ever be able to get to those lakes, um, you know, or, or areas of, of use, right? You know, and I mean, it's general land use that we would all be using for public, uh, for the public good. So, you know, yeah. It's important. Um, let's, uh, <clears throat> let's talk about, um, you know, if I wave my magic wand and make you king for a day, what are some of the biggest challenges that you think are going to be facing the assembly uh, in the future? What are the things that are important? What are the things that Bill Elam is going to be working on when you come back? You know, there's one really big issue right now, um, and that is, is uh, we had a couple of bonds that came through, uh, one for CES Station 1 uh, that was 16 and a half million and then uh, 65 point something million, $66 million for school building deferred maintenance, um, a bond right there. And uh, A, I hate the fact that there's a bond for building maintenance, you know, um, like how do you package that up? And then I get it, you know, as I start kind of looking through and how this whole mess turns in and you don't have stuff like a general building maintenance fund that that right. is just there to take care of your building. Well, first of uh, all, we don't. Even... First of all, let me just say there's a special place in hell for the person who thought up deferred maintenance, right? I mean, the fact that you have yeah. sixty six million dollars in deferred oh. maintenance means that what you did was you had fiscal mismanagement because you had funds set aside to do all this work and you decided that those funds were better spent on something else, some other project. And then later on, you came back and say, oh, we deferred these funds. Now we've cre you've created a crisis of your own making. The fact that you have $66 million in things, it, that's insane. That's one of the other things that we did in Fairbanks was we created a maintenance fund for these buildings because we got sick and tired of that whole thing coming back around over and over and over again. Oh, well, now we have this deferred maintenance. I mean, how can a borough, I mean, the Fairbanks are so borough, $280 million in deferred maintenance across the borough. I don't know what it is in the Kenai, <laughs> but if it's anywhere Two, near that, how much is it? So uh, what was originally pitched to us was 250, but that was conservative numbers. Um, yeah. <laughs> quarter and of I'm a, like, you've got to be kidding me. Quarter and, of know, a billion like, dollars. Yeah. Quarter of a billion yeah. dollars in deferred maintenance. That is, that is mismanagement is what that is. At its best. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's a generational mismanagement. You know, there's there's no one person that you can blame on that one. I mean, that's a, a completely broken system. So if you don't put some kind of a system in place to fix that, then what kind of disservice are you continuing to do to your community? You know, the thing is, though, is there large dollars would come in from the state. And so then there would be match funds and stuff that has to happen there. And so then then you start building buildings based off of the free money that you're getting but the free money isn't necessarily going to help this and so then you find out oh well they're planning on building a, a community center not just a school so i'm supportive of education but i want some accountability and i want to make sure that we're we're building it within something that we can maintain something that we can own not something that's owning us you know you can build a community center for a whole lot less than building a a community center at ed, ed specs you know, you know, there's absolutely no reason to do that. And half the time we've got access issues. We don't actually have building issues. So, yeah. well, I mean, the whole plan should be that if you do get a proposal for a, some kind of new facility, that's a borough facility, there should be a fiscal note that includes 10 years of operating costs in that fiscal note. So, you know, 
what not just what the purchase price and the construction price is going to be, but what is the price going to be moving forward? And can you afford it? That's the big question. And that's the one thing that nobody seemed, oh, we got all this free money from the state. We could build X, Y, and Z. You know, no, we're going to buy, we're going to bond, we're going to borrow 20 years worth of money to fix things that we should have been fixing the last 15 or 20 years. I mean, that is, I mean, that's, that's insanity. That's just insanity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, no, I, I completely agree. So I'm wanting to, I was actually going to look at some of the, the stuff that uh, Fairbanks had done. You know, we have kind of a unique um, example of, of how the relationship is between the school district and the borough. The borough owns all of the buildings and the school district operates them and, and you know, lives in them, right? Um, but then there's no real agreement, if you will, that says how and what we're going to do to maintain. And so uh, a lot of the maintenance tends to go down political whims. You know, if, if the general fund doesn't look just right and there's no building maintenance fund. So I need to, to kind of figure out more on you know how you guys were getting your building maintenance fund revenues. Um, you know, where, where were you guys getting money? Well, we could talk about that another time. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a set aside. It was a set aside. It was an annual contribution. But I mean, yeah, it, it is, a, you know, it's a it's something that we should be focused on. Um, so cost of the borough. Uh, what else here? We got about four minutes. Uh, anything else that you would hit on right out of the gate as you come back from reelection if you're if you're reelected? You know, those are going to be the big things. There's big gaps financially right now. So like with uh, sold out in elementary, it was originally pitched at 20 million and the next round of numbers that just came in a couple of weeks ago was like almost 34, 35 million. There's a big gap there. Yeah. Um, so how do we do that and still give the the voters what they voted for? Right. right. Um, uh, you know, and then just kind of continuing to pers- do more of the same. Like, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to, that's a lot of work, honestly, no. just those few things. Just those couple of yeah. things is definitely a, a big deal. Um, we're coming down to the last, uh, two and a half, three minutes here. So I want to give you a chance, uh, to, uh, to sound off on this and, uh, to give us your final, uh, what, what I like to call the, uh, the elevator pitch, right? You've run into me in the elevator and you want to tell me exactly why I should reelect Bill Elam to, uh, to the borough assembly. So, um, give us your pitch. How do people find out about you? Where do they go? Website, whatever. Give me the, give me the final pitch here, Bill Elam. Yeah, that's great. Uh, thanks again for having me on, Mike. Um, so uh, Bill Elam, uh, Sterling and Funny River Borough Assembly. Uh, tomorrow's the election. So got to make sure we get out and vote. Um, my uh, my phone number, if you want to call um, either anytime, uh, always happy to have coffee or whatever with people. I uh, love hearing from folks. My phone number is 907-690-4339. Um, I've been a, a conservative, consistent conservative candidate and, and representative here on the the Kenai, so I'm not a, afraid to to say no whenever everybody else is all saying yes um, or or trying to make it sound like something is is great for the community when I I think it's not, um, you know, and I, I don't think the government has its its place in anybody's business, um, you know, on all of their personal life and decisions. Uh, so so again, would appreciate your vote and uh, look forward to to serving the community for another three years. Uh, Bill Elam, uh, our guest here uh, on the Michael Duke Show, again talking about his uh, his reelection. Your phone number again, one more time here, Bill, because somebody in chat is asking for it, and I didn't throw it up there. 
Yeah, no problem. 907-690-4339. All right. Uh, you can uh, you can give Bill a call after the show and talk with him about any questions that you may have going on in this. Uh, I'm just looking at it. We got, uh, we're pretty much out of time here. Uh, so we're coming down to the end, uh, property rights, school things, deferred maintenance. I think we hit all my hot button issues for today. The things that, <laughs> that, uh, just infuriate me about local government. And we got to be paying attention to this all the time. Uh, these are things we got to yeah. be paying close attention to, uh, Bill, thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, appreciate you, uh, appreciate you being part of the program today. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Hold the line for just a second, folks. We're out of time coming up. Aaron Gibson's going to be joining us for hour two. He's running as a candidate for the Fairbanks North Star Borough. So we're getting north and south today. Tomorrow is election day in both of these areas. So don't forget to get out there and vote. We'll see you. All right. Uh, a couple of quick questions that I didn't, I, a little more down in the weeds, didn't get a chance to uh, ask you about it. Do you support keeping your assembly in the Alaska Municipal League, uh, the AML, says Barbara from Fairbanks? You know, I would not be brokenhearted by any means to to exit AML. We are definitely part of the bur- or the AML. I've been to a couple of their events. It's definitely a far left um, group. Um, well, it's all about centralized. Of- it's all about centralized planning, right? I mean, that's the whole thing is that they're yeah. all about centralized control of everything and trying to. I mean, I never understood participation in the AML at that point. Oh yeah, no, um, we've got a couple of of bonds and insurance type things that are through them, so we'd have to figure out who else does all of that. But there's absolutely no um, desire from the rest of the assembly there it'd be a it'd be a two to seven vote on that one so yeah i've not pitched it um and somebody asked a bill asked down he lives down in the peninsula there so after what you said about public easements how did you vote on the issue with the jack uh, zach brown property down in homer that was a of course that was a big (laughs) we had zach brown on the program talking about this hot mess down there so what was your thoughts on that so I did not vote on the the Zach Brown stuff. It happened right before I got on. Um, oh, okay. And so I don't know all of the little nuance. Di- oh, just- and and kind of uh, where where some of the lines were. Um, yeah, but I mean, public land is public land. If you buy next to it, you buy next to it. Yeah. Um, um, well, I think what the big thing was is that it was the ease people were abusing the easement going across public pro- or private property at the same time. I mean, that's, you know, that's where again, private where property is. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, all right. Um, anything else, Bill, anything, any issue that I didn't bring up something that you, uh, you know, wanted to talk about or mention or anything that I didn't get to, this is your last bite at the apple, so to speak, um, uh, for the, yeah. before I let you go. Yeah, I would just say, you know, uh, private property is private property as much as public property is public property, right? Um, the, I guess the the last thing that I would do is just kind of just say um, that I've actually really enjoyed being on the assembly after I stopped and thought about it. It's like I hate campaigning. I don't like talking about myself, um, you know, all, all of the, all the things that we're doing here on the air. Um, but after I started kind of thinking about it, and it was really those little things that I really liked doing for people and i think that's really where local government is important and i don't like just how blue uh, and liberal municipal government 
seems to stereotypically be. I mean, it's everywhere right. you go. Yeah. Conservatives are in the majority, but then on the minority whenever it comes to actual representation. Because they're so not paying attention. People. It's because they're not paying attention. Yeah. They're so focused on these right. big national flashy, like I said, bread and circuses issue on CNN and Fox News and everything. Things that they can make almost no difference in. They're so right. absorbed with that that they forget about what's happening in their own backyard that affects them every day. I have spent the last three years being President Biden's customer service line and then having no support on actually getting some votes turned around to be able to make some some real work happen. And, and in a way that really affects you and I and our wallets and our families, um, I think that more conservatives really need to be involved and to be paying attention. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I think there's, you know, and, and this is the time where, again, it it is this conundrum of red areas, mostly conservative, in some cases, the most conservative areas of the state. And yet their assemblies are, again, blue, progressive, maybe purple, but usually, you know, running towards the blue side of the spectrum. And it's like, it's frustrating. I mean, finally in Fairbanks, we finally got that balance back where it's kind of a balance between four, five, five, four, you know, kind of thing. And I think that that makes more sense rather than running the running the 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 table at all blue yeah. or all red or whatever. We need to have that. I think that balance is important. And uh, and and we've got to start paying attention to what's going on locally because it affects us um, so much more directly than what's happening at the national level. Yeah, you know, I would agree. Um, my my more. I guess socially liberal friends kind of knock some of my edges off whenever I start thinking about, you know, like lunches and kids and 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 helping the community because you know not everybody can afford stuff but you know at the same time it's not the government's job to to raise everybody you know right. that's a community job um but it helps you know kind of knock the edges off a little bit and you know we're on the, the on the blue side of purple there on the assembly if i'm just completely honest there's a lot of issues that come up where it it winds up being you know more moderate legislation that has to be that has to come through um and so you know you kind of have to strike a compromise if you're gonna get anywhere so the other thing i would say to my my conservative friends out there is you know be nice to your conservative municipal government people they're they're they might have to compromise on a few things well you're fighting the fight and if they you know people again stop complaining and get involved and go out there and become part of the assembly yourself you know go out there and fight it that's what needs to happen all right bill elam thank you so much for coming on board i appreciate you being part of it today good luck tomorrow and uh hope for the best here in the future absolutely thank you for having me on thanks for coming on we appreciate it all right, uh, that's Bill Elam. Let's move on over to uh, Aaron Gibson, who's running for election in the Fairbanks North Star Borough. He's in the green room right now. Let's pull him over here and see what uh, what he has to say. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. How about yourself? Good. Let me uh, oof. Let me pull that down. You are not, you're loud and proud this morning. Uh, you ready? <laughs> you ready to go? I sure am. Okay. Good. Um, we're going to dive into this now. Remind me, Aaron, you're, and I apologize. You're new to the assembly, right? You're running or you're running for re-election. Remind me. I'm running for, yeah, I'm running. I'm new this to is your first time. Running to fill, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 That's right. So it's the two Aaron's, right? It was Aaron Lajewski. You're filling his seat. Uh, so it's the tale of two errands here. All right. Well, we are uh, getting ready to jump back into this. Aaron, uh, Gibson is our guest. We're going to continue here in just a second. 
The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. Like and share. Here we go. Hour two is right now. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning. Uh, beautiful, cloudy morning here in South Central. Uh, still, the weather can't make up its mind. It's either, it's, it's either, is it, is it fall or is it, wind? I don't even know. It, it's fine. We're, we are where we are. We're ready to go. We're diving into it. It's Monday, and we've been focusing on local issues. Tomorrow is Election Day in both the Kenai Peninsula Borough and in the Fairbanks North Star Borough for the local municipal elections. And so we've been focusing on that. This is important. This is where we should be paying attention. Forget about, uh, you know, John Bain, Kevin McCarthy. Forget about the all the bread and circuses you're seeing in Washington, D.C. We have zero effect on any of that. We should be focusing on what's going on in our local communities. That's what makes sense here. And that's why we're focusing on these issues. Just finished up with Bill Elam, who is a candidate for re-election down on the Kenai Peninsula Borough. Now we move over to the interior, and we're going to chat with Aaron Gibson, who is a candidate for the Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly. Uh, he joins us this morning to talk about his candidacy and what's going on to, to up in Fairbanks. And uh, we welcome him to the uh, program. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? Good. How about yourself? You know, no complaints. No complaints. It's, it's Monday, but, uh, you know, I mean, nobody's listening anyway, so why should I complain? Uh, it yeah. is, I mean, it's not snowing where you are, right? Yeah, it's not it's snowing not. here. Is it snowing there? Yeah, it's melting like as soon as it hits the ground, but there's a few spots. So. Yeah, well, um, you guys can keep you guys can keep all that as far as I'm concerned. I just keep that for as long as you want. Um, all right, well let's uh, let's dive into this, Aaron, and uh, start talking about uh, you know who you are, where you are, where you came from. For folks that don't know you, uh, you are running for the borough assembly uh, in the seat being vacated by Aaron Lajewski. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about who Aaron Gibson is. Give us, uh, give us the rundown here. Yeah. So, uh, I am, uh, born and raised right here in Fairbanks, actually. Um, I graduated from, uh, Lathrop High School. Um, I have a associate's degree from, uh, uh, UAF, uh, so in information technology. So that's my career. So I do technology, uh, just like your, uh, previous guest there. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, 
uh, you know, I'm going to beat you to the punch. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask myself when I lost my life, mind when I decided to run for borough assembly. <laughs> right, is, that, right. is that what you want to know? Is that yeah, really no, what you want to dig yeah, into? Yeah. What exactly was the moment where you were like, Hey, I think I'll just stick my hand into the grinder here and see what happens. I mean, that you know, when exactly did you decide to get into politics? Um, so I was, uh, I served on the city council for three years and, um, uh, a year and a half of that, almost two years, I had the pleasure of serving with uh, a gentleman who would uh, describe to me when he got on. He was like, yeah, my friend told me it's like slamming my hand in a car door to pick people up. So, right. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but I uh, so I did three years in the city council. It was a really uh, uh, a really great experience. I enjoyed learning about all the uh, different things that the city does and, um, you know, where, you know, what the city does compared to what the borough does compared to what the state does. Um, and uh i once i got off the city council i I wasn't planning on running for anything uh you know this uh had a lot of projects planned for this summer that i wanted to get done many of them that i didn't and um uh aaron lejeski called me up he was like hey you really need to run for borough assembly and i was like no actually i'm not doing that at all and uh right around that same time i got a uh letter in the mail a, a love letter from the borough and they said, "Oh, by the way, uh, your property taxes increase. Your property assessment increased fifteen percent this year." And like the only thing that changed from last year to the, the the following year was like a trampoline in the yard and some kids' toys. Right. Yeah. Real <laughs> um, real home improvements there. Yeah, we bought a place and um, moved into it, and we were fixing up the inside because it was uh, an abandoned house. And and then yeah, boom, fifteen percent increase. I was like, okay. Well, I guess we need to uh, talk about how we're going to get this thing straightened out. So uh, here I am, and uh, it's what uh, it's one of the things I want to I want to fix when uh, when I get elected. What do you think um, are some of the biggest issues? You know, as you look here on the assembly, and you've been paying attention now. Of course, coming from the city uh, to the borough, it's a bigger bigger. But as you say, different different things, different powers. Um, you know, it's a second class borough, so it's not a home rule city. Doesn't have the same doesn't have the same comprehensive uh, batch of powers or anything else. So what is your, um, you know, what, what do you think are the big issues that are facing the borough here in the coming, you know, your coming three-year term or whatever? Yeah. So I think the, the, the biggest issues that are facing the borough coming up here are getting our assessing in order, our assessor, our assessing department. Um, I think we have some real issues there. We have a lot of nonprofits that do a lot of good things in this town. And all of a sudden these nonprofits are having to, uh, not only continue to try to raise funds to support their operations, to support the community, like the food bank and churches and things like that. But now they're having to fight off the borough because of, uh, of new new ways that uh, our current uh, borough administration decides to interpret the um, tax code or the right. assessing code. Yeah, so, this is an interpretation from the assessor, right, is how he determines. Um, I mean, this is something that's been going on for years where things have been fine for nonprofits. Then all of a sudden they decided to reinterpret the code to where it's only portional or proportional as to what part is being used, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden nonprofits are being hit with huge tax bills. Yeah. So there's nonprofits that are doing the same thing in the Matsu Valley that uh, our nonprofits are doing here. And for some reason, they're not being taxed. Their, their property isn't being assessed like it is taxed like it is in Matsu. But here, uh, you know, we have a different person interpreting that 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 code and so uh they decided to to tax um the assessor she decided that she was going to uh start taxing folks 
And uh, it's, you know, Camp Iowa, uh, like I said, I grew up here. Camp Iowa is, is a prime example. They've been fighting in court for a couple of years now. Right. I grew up there. I mean, I have some of my best memories going to summer camp there. My kids love that camp. Like, that's the number one. Like, they argue with me about summer camps all summer long about the ones they don't want to go to. That's the one that they love. And, um, right. you know, that, that place, it's just, it's just such a great place. And it does such a great, great thing for the entire the entire community. So. Right, right. Um, the, uh, the big issue for me when I was on the borough assembly was of course, private property rights. And we talk about that. The borough has been waging, I think kind of a constant running battle, um, with property owners. I know one of the big things right now is there seems to be a movement afoot. And there was even when I left 10 years ago, a movement afoot to treat general use as if that was a bad, that was an illness. That was a sickness. They want to change the GU designation so that everybody, you know, gets, plonked into some category residential commercial mixed use whatever instead of allowing the general use what are your thoughts on uh on protecting the private property rights and keeping things to be that gu and keeping the borough out of the basically people doing what they want to do with their own property yeah um so uh you know there was this recent thing that uh they wanted the borough the mayor was trying to push through the ability for neighbors to rezone other neighbors properties if they didn't like what they're doing and um and and I think you know if you bought a piece of property, and the rules were set when you bought the piece of property, uh, you know you can't just change the you can't change the rules mid game. You just can't say, hey, sorry, you had this plan and this hope and this dream. For me, even at the city level, I um, we would when we would deal with certain properties, um, I it always gave me a bunch of heartache and pain because we would do things like there would be a, a dilapidated building and. Um, that's just one example of this one uh, building that had caught fire, had uh, homeless people moving in and out of it, caught fire again, and um, uh, the city ended up tearing it down. And I mean, maybe it needed to be torn down, maybe it didn't, but it did. And then uh, to add insult to injury, because this lady is like, hey, you tore down my retirement. This was like my plan. And um, then to add insult to in uh, uh, injury, what we did was we went and slapped a tax lien on it too. So we're like, hey, yeah, we're going to go ahead and put a lien on this property for all the work that we did to do the right. things you didn't want us to do. Right. And I, I just, I couldn't stand that. That was that was the the worst possible, you know, outcome. Is like, hey, not only did we just demolish what this lady thought was her retirement, but now we also um, took her property away because the tax lien was more than the value of the property to begin with. Right. And there there goes a retirement plan in the in the long run. Um, right. so private property rights then pretty important to you as far as people being able to do as long as they're not hurting anybody. Again, I want to put that out there. As long as you're not hurting anybody, you're not polluting the groundwater or doing whatever, you should be able to have the right to do with your property what you see fit. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think that's I think that's a cornerstone of 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 the of America as as, as a whole is is private property rights and the ability to to live your life the way you see fit. Yeah. Um, you know, the trails plan, I think that was there was a whole, you know, there was a whole deal. And I think they came up with maybe a reasonable accommodation and not the best, but it worked out where they wanted to, they wanted to force people to have to uh, give up some of their property if they uh, decided to subdivide their property for their kids or, or whatever. And that just, just seemed crazy. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I again, if, uh, if, you know, if there's an easement or something like there, then that's one thing, but when they're trying to uh, force people into these, you know, especially these land use plans for like walking trails and other things um, where they're trying to force the issue uh, and and justify it in the future with things like subdivision and things like that. That's a problem when you have to give that stuff away. 
Um, what are some of the big issues that you see going in here uh, to the borough assembly? Uh, we just, again, talked about property rights. Is that one? I mean, what, what are some of the issues that you see coming into uh, the borough assembly right now? Yeah, so property rights, uh, education funding. I think we need to make sure that we fund education um, appropriately. Uh, you know, there's some people that are campaigning out there like, hey, not only am I going to give the school district the money they asked for, I'm going to give them more money. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, and when you say when you say appropriately, what what do you see? I mean, what are you thinking when you come? Because, I mean, let's face it, that's the largest single light item in the borough budget is the money for schools. I mean, is it too much? Is it not enough? Is it just right? What where where do you where do you see the funding for the borough right now at the school district level? What what what's your take on it? Well, I think what we've been doing is, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty much on par with what's been happening over the last decade. Like we've been funding whether the assembly has been controlled by a, um, uh, a left or a right group, it's, it's really odd because the borough funding to the school district has stayed at about the same percentage. It hasn't flat funded it, so it's, it, the, the dollars have gone up because it's a, a percentage, but um, I think it's right. But uh, I think that that's why you have to have uh, uh, people that you can trust on the school board and the, the board of education that can tell you, hey, we have enough money or we don't have enough money and this is why. Um, you know, I think if they bring the receipts about why they need more money, I think that you should, in, in, and it makes sense, right? If they make a good a, a good case, you know, hey, this is this is where this money is going and this is where that money is going, um, then, you know, maybe you should fund those things. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, you know, you just, you just can't give money blindly. You just can't uh, raise people's property taxes and, and turn to the uh, uh, private property owners and say, hey, fund education blindly and uh, trust us. We know what's best for you. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, we know what we're doing. <laughs> we absolutely know what we're doing, um, which, <clears throat> again, some of the things and some of the things we're hearing about flat funding and other things, which are just fundamentally not true, um, are it's a little disconcerting to see that and then and then basically say, you know, st have them stick their hand out and say we need even more than what we're getting right now. Uh, Aaron Gibson is our guest. We are coming up on the break, so we're going to take that commercial break, and then we're going to come back with Aaron Gibson. The Michael Duke Show continues. Your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more. And Aaron Gibson, candidate for the Nor uh, Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly, right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Aaron Gibson is our guest. Uh, Aaron, when you hear the ding, uh, that means we're returning to the radio. Just so that you know, that's the 30-second warning for us to return to the radio. So if we're talking about something, we'll have to wrap up. I keep forgetting to tell people that, but uh, just so you know. Um, this uh, <clears throat> this whole issue of uh, between the private property rights and the, uh, and the schools, those, those to me are always the two biggest issues. I mean, because let's face it. Again, as I just mentioned, the school board or the school uh, budget is the biggest single light item in the borough budget. And if we let that get out of control, 
it is, um, I mean, it's, it's very easy to overrun what's going on. Uh, and if the government is out there looking for more money from properties, as you talked about with your assessment or the nonprofit thing, um, they're going to find a way they want something to, they want money to spend and they're going to find a way to spend it at this point. Is that, I mean, has that been your experience in watching what's happening or in being part of the city government? Is that, are you seeing that same kind of attitude? Yeah, certainly. Um, so uh, at the city, I think we ran a, a relatively tight ship. Um, and uh, I think that uh, we just need to do the same thing at the, the borough. I think the assembly did a great job this last year. They reduced the budget. They actually get, got some real some real traction that uh, this year. Um, and I think that uh, we just need to, uh, before we start doing new things and building uh, great new buildings and instituting new policies and plans, we just need to be really good at the core services to begin with. We need to look at uh, uh, how we can be good at the basics first. And um, uh, I just don't think that uh, necessarily that's been happening over the last 10 years. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, the nature of government is to grow. We know that. I mean, it doesn't make it evil, doesn't make it bad. It's just it's just the nature of government, right? I mean, the nature is to grow and expand. Uh, because that's, you know, human nature in and of itself, in a case, justification for what you're doing to make sure that things are justified. That's just kind of how things are. Um, and what we need to do more than anything else is to create a stopgap or a barrier to slow the roll, slow that growth of government. Yeah, and I, I think the tax cap really helps with that, and I support the tax cap here. Um, you know, at the city, it's great because, you know, they don't have to renew it every two years. Um, through, through an initiative, it's because it's a home rule city, it's in the charter. But uh, I think the tax cap really uh, helps with limiting that growth and, and making, allowing government to grow in a responsible fashion. And um, it's the things that you got to watch out for. It's those fees and those, the things that, uh, you know, people always come up with as a way to figure out how to get outside the tax cap to, to grow the government more and more. So, no, I mean, I think grants. That's yeah i mean they, i mean look they they uh donna uh donna uh did a uh, donna gilbert did an estimate at one point right before i left that maybe it was right after estimating that at some point that the tax cap had saved the taxpayers in the city of fairbanks you know like a third of a billion dollars in in growth i mean it, the the government would have grown beyond that at that point and yeah they're always going to try and find a way to finagle around the tax cap. i mean that's why every time i look at this and we see one more bond come up I just, I just, you know, shudder because again, bond payments are outside the cap. And so ways to expand government include those kind of things. And that's a problem. Um, I mean, that's a problem in and of itself, right? I mean, the bonding uh, for things that, you know, for example, should have been taken care of. And we're going to talk about this when we come back here in a minute, but uh, you know, maintenance and things like this. I mean, this idea that somehow we can just keep bonding ourselves out of the hole is a misnomer. Yeah, you can't borrow your way out of debt, right? Yeah, no, that's that's exactly that's exact, and that seems to be exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah, um, you know, I'm uh, I'm really proud that the city is debt free, um, and that while I was there, we were we 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 maintained it that way. There was uh, there was people that came and testified, uh, you know, legislators and things like that that said, well, maybe you guys should go get a bond. That's loud. Yeah, it is. It is loud. It's to get your attention. You see. But no, I mean, I think, yeah, this is important. We'll we'll pick up on this. We're 20 seconds out. So we're going to rejoin the radio. Aaron Gibson is our guest. Please like and share.
please like and follow. Uh, you can share this from wherever platform you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. But make sure that you like and uh, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube. If you haven't done that yet and you're on Facebook, please run over to YouTube and do that. You can come right back to Facebook. doesn't matter. We're just trying to up everything here. Uh, all right, here we go. Ten seconds out. Getting ready to rejoin the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do this. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. It's not that humorous, okay? I mean, seriously. It's just, it's not that humorous. Let's get back into it here. Aaron Gibson <clears throat> is our guest. He's a candidate for the Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly. We were just talking about during the break here, you know, just being responsible and trying to live within our means. And uh, this has been a this has been a big this has been a big deal. You know, I was talking about what I see as one of the biggest dangers to the borough or any area that's you know got the ability to bond is this idea that we can just bond for anything, that we can bond our way out of a hole, or we can create whole new swaths of government or whole new programs if we bond for certain things. And I think that's a kind of a dangerous precedent to set, Aaron. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, one of the other things that I saw happen at the city, and I, I actually wrote an ordinance on um, uh, in, in regards to just like new ways that government grows, was uh, we would we would do these things where we would accept grants to fund firefighters. And um, there was no mechanism other than a resolution that basically could just go through without even being talked about or getting any public testimony on um, to add a firefighter through a thing called a, a safer, a safer uh, firefighter grant. And then they would put the actual fiscal note inside of a, uh, a budget amendment and you wouldn't know. And it was really, if you didn't know where to look or how to look or understand what was happening, you wouldn't understand that. Yeah, we got some new firefighters, but they also cost $2 million. Right. So, no, you know, like it's free money. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's gotta be continuous. I mean, and this is what we talked about here. I mean, you guys, I'm assuming that the, <clears throat> I'm assuming that the ordinance is still on the books that if you guys are starting to build new facilities or do something else, um, one of the things we fought for was to put a 10-year fiscal note on it so that you understood not just what the cost of whatever facility was that you were building, but what the cost was going out over 10 years, what the operating cost was over 10 years. So it wasn't just, oh, hey, look, free money for this $25 million, you know, who's he what's at school or whatever. But not only that, the $10 million, how much did it cost to operate over 10 years? And that kind of changes the picture when you see the long-term costs of a lot of these things. Because I don't think – I think it's all immediate gratification, and they're not looking at what the overall cost is going to be on some of these things. Yeah. I mean, we built a brand-new bus barn over there, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's probably the nicest bus barn in the state, I, I'd imagine, at this point. Um, and it's all to support these new natural gas buses. So, um you know, there's a there's a hefty I'm sure there's a hefty note that that went along with that for maintenance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that, again, is one of my other pet peeves is the whole idea of deferred maintenance. Um, and shortly after I left Fairbanks, it was kind of unveiled. Um, Carl Castle, who was the mayor at the time, who he and I crossed swords many times on the assembly because he's a fairly progressive kind of guy. But he did come on and say this is astounding that they had discovered that there was two hundred and eighty million dollars in deferred maintenance uh, in the borough. 
Um, and uh, this was kind of a crisis. I mean, they were, you know, Mary Sai shutting down and all these other kind of things that they were trying to go through because they realized that they did not have the money to fix all the facilities that they have on hand right now, let alone building new ones. What um, what what is going on with that right now? And what is your um, you know, what are your thoughts on the deferred maintenance? And do you know where it's at right now? Have you been kind of following this or where where it's going? Yeah, so there's a the deferred maintenance programs uh, has been lapped in, uh, into this capital improvement. The, the KIP is what they're calling it now. And so they've got this capital improvement plan where they're trying to handle the deferred maintenance and then also handle new projects. Um, you know, I posted on my Facebook uh, about a month ago this uh, project for uh, Alaska land, but uh, people will call it Pioneer Park now. Um, you weren't part of that, were you? No, but yeah, I mean, we're gonna... <laughs> Alaska land forever, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Alaska land okay. forever. Um, so, and it's amazing the number of people that I got that uh, that liked it, but also even more so the number of people are like, I can't believe that we're going to do another, we're going to change this thing to accommodate some folks that never are ever going to even use it. Because it was, it was basically a design. It's a design and it's still out there. You can go look at it uh, where they're, they're, taking out the existing playground equipment and they're buying all new playground equipment and they're going to have like a, a cruise ship play area, a uh, North Slope play area. And, and basically it's like, it's they're designing the play areas for tourists to come when when families use that every single day. Like like there's families that hear that, you know, they have right. birthday parties there, they, you know. Yeah. Um, I grew up playing on the playground equipment. And, and so, um, you know, why are we gonna spend millions and millions of dollars to change something when you know, what we have seems to be working relatively well. So, well, I mean, that's the question for government. Again, this goes back to the whole, uh, this goes back again to the whole uh, 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 issue of, uh, you know, the expansion of government, right? Oh, we've got to justify what we're doing. So it may be working felt well, but, you know, we've got money to spend. So let's go ahead and do it. And we'll create some kind of program that we think is going to be better. Um, whereas if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, if sure, if you've got bad equipment, you need to change it, you need to update it, that's fine. But if it's working, why spend millions of dollars on it, especially when it doesn't benefit the taxpaying community? That's the big that's the big thing. Yeah, and then you're gonna close it for an entire summer to remodel the whole thing. And yeah, you know. <laughs> how does that how does how does that work? Yeah, exactly. How does that work? Um, when it comes to issues of, of uh, again, we, we've, we've touched on it, but let's revisit it again, the question of schools. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so do you think that the current school budget is not enough? Is it too much? Is it just right? What do you think? Or is there nuances in there? What, what is your take on the current level of school funding that we're doing inside the borough? And uh, what what would be your position on it as, uh, you know, moving forward if you're elected? Um, so uh, my position is that I think it's enough. It may, we may need, they may need a little bit more, but really the the new superintendent and, and whoever the new school board ends up being, they need to focus on, on where their dollars are going right now and how they're going to make sure that those dollars hit the classroom. Um, because to me, uh, if they want more dollars because they're adding more administrators or more people in the in, in the in the headshed, um, that doesn't seem to be the the right uh, approach because uh, we all know that uh, having smaller classroom sizes, uh, you know, greatly contributes to the success of students. 
Right. Well, and and again, we look at it, and all we're hearing right now is how underfunded schools are. Right. Uh, that's all we're hearing right now is, oh, we're just not getting enough funding and, and schools are struggling because they're behind that. Now, we know that some of that is misinformation. Uh, the base student allocation has gone up just a little bit, but it hasn't it hasn't risen a whole lot. But on top of that, you've got all this other school funding that's going on, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars over the last 20 years that has increased. So we are seeing an increase in school funding. Uh, and not that the borough has a whole lot of power over that. That's more of a school board thing. You guys are basically pencil whipping the check, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the at the assembly level. But you can put some, you know, you can put some guidelines on it and do certain things or reduce it based on, you know, certain tasks. Is that something that you are going to be focused on? Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think that there's some things that the assembly needs to focus on in legislative priorities in regards to education, uh, because, uh you know, Fairbanks, the Matsu, any organized borough gets punished for being an organized borough and has a, a required local contribution. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, if you're not an organized borough, you just get all the money you need from the state, no matter what. <laughs> and so I think that's that's a frustrating thing because, um, uh, you know, for for people that are trying to work and build a, build a, a strong, you know, community and a, and a borough, you know, then all of a sudden, part of those tax dollars all of a sudden have to disappear into education when uh, the state's going ahead and funding other areas that don't tax themselves at all. Right. Well, I mean, counterpoint to that. Let me let me offer a counterpoint. Those people chose to live outside of the regulated borough areas, and they're not getting the same amount of funding that, uh, that like, for example, the Fairbanks North Star Borough, you're required to give a contribution. The state still provides you with, uh, with uh, school monies. But basically, everything you're doing is on top of that. And that's kind of a choice at that point, isn't it? I mean, they're not getting the full, you know, on a per-student basis, they're not getting the full kick that the Fairbanks Nurster Borough or the Matsu or any other organized borough is doing because, again, they're required to have that contribution on top of that. So, I mean, it, it you know, it, it is a choice in in those regards, right? Uh, it certainly is. But, um, uh, uh, yeah, so... Uh, without kind of getting into it too deep, uh, but uh, I, I worked for a school district for a while, so the school district funding formulas are work slightly different for unorganized boroughs. Um, so they they definitely get some cash. Um, but uh, the other point, though, I, I will also want to drive home about uh, about school funding and education is that um, we need to have classrooms that are also you know they're appropriately sized, but they're also full, right? So we right. can have classrooms that are that are you know where you you're, you're People to teacher ratio is way down because uh, that school is uh, 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 serving a smaller part of the community as, as a whole. Um, you know, and I think the school district, uh, while while it hurt and it was painful, I think the school the school board did a did a good thing by closing some schools and trying to reorganize where students are going and um, consolidating. And uh, and from what my understanding is, is that it's probably not off the table again uh, in the next couple of years. So. Well, no, I mean, and that makes sense if if you don't have a full building. But shouldn't more shouldn't more dollars make their way down into the classrooms? I mean, that's one of the things that I've been choking about. We just read this morning a story from the Alaska Beacon talking about how uh, we we need more we need more guidance counselors and we need more. You you said you know the head shed. We're putting more people in the head shed and less and less people in the actual trenches who are out there doing the teaching. So we get these ballooning class sizes and everything. I mean, shouldn't more of that money be focused down into the actual classroom? Wouldn't that be a better uh, solution? Not yes. that 
Yeah. Not, not yeah. that necessarily the borough assembly has direct control over that, but you can encourage that, right? Definitely. Um, and I think that uh, if you have an assembly that uh, works well with a, a school board, um, you know, this last this last year, there was some real uh, tension between the assembly and the school board, it appeared like there was some uh, folks that came down from the school board, came over to the assembly and testified, and it got real, real, real heated there for a, a second. And um, uh, I think that's one of the things that, you know, we need to make sure that um, uh, as an assembly member and as a school board member that we, we uh, those two bodies can work together in a way that's uh, positive and productive. And that way, uh, you know, people on the, the school board understand that uh, there's limitations. Uh, there's people campaigning on the school on the school board right now about fully funding education and about how they're going to uh, somehow make dollars appear from nowhere. So, um, that's, well, uh, again, that assumes that we're not fully funding education right now. Again, right, yeah. it's a talking point. It's I mean, we are fully funding education. Uh, we are they are getting, you know, up almost to the to the cap of what they get going on. They're getting monies from the state. They're getting additional monies from the state. The BSA has gone up. So, I mean, at some point, just because you're not getting enough or what you think is the right amount doesn't mean that it's not being fully funded. I mean, fully funded is just, you know, let's write all the monies from the state and, and then the borough just go straight to the uh, to the school district. That's not right either. I mean, there's got to be a balance there. Definitely. Um, my opponent, he's campaigning on on funding the fully funding education to the cap. So he wants to give everything that the school district's asking for plus more. And um, he's from Juneau originally. And so I understand uh, I, I can see where he's coming from, but what uh, the thing, the, the quiet thing that that's not being said is that you know Juno has, they have harbor taxes, they have sales taxes, they have all these extra things that that uh, the borough here just doesn't have. And we have a tax cap, right? Um, yeah, no. So we we, we got, we got a few got more strictures. Yeah, we got a few more strictures, and we got uh, and we don't have uh, we don't have the revenue that some of these other communities have. But again, don't give them too many ideas. Maybe that's something that they want to uh, that they would like to see. I mean, I think that's why they'd like to see the tax cap go away. On top of that, all right. Well, we're down to the last couple minutes here, Tim. So I wanted to give you a chance to. Um, Wanted to give you a chance to have, uh, you know, your elevator pitch, so to speak. You know, you run into me in the elevator and uh, you want to tell me why I should vote for Aaron Gibson. How do we get a hold of you? You know, websites, et cetera. Go ahead and uh, give us the rundown here. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I'm born and raised here in Fairbanks. I served three years on the Fairbanks City Council. I really think that it's important that we um, <clears throat> work on our core services and we we focus on the things that we, the basic services that we need to do. Um, you know, that's waste management, that's um, zoning and, and planning, that's making sure that we're protecting property, private property rights. And um, uh, uh, we really need to uh, make sure that we're encouraging people that want to, you know, move to Fairbanks and, and grow Fairbanks in a responsible way and keep property taxes low for private property owners because uh, if property taxes get out of control, people just can't afford to buy homes. Um, and as far as getting a hold of me, you can uh, <clears throat> you can uh, contact me through my website, Gibson for Fairbanks, or you can find me on uh, uh, Facebook, uh, Aaron Gibson for Borough Assembly. And um, uh, if you want to call me, my cell phone is uh, 907-978-3058. All right. Uh, Aaron Gibson, uh, appreciate you coming on board. Uh, thank you so much for being part of it today. We appreciate that. Hold the line for just a second, folks. Uh, we're going to finish up and we'll have my final thoughts here in just a minute. Aaron Gibson uh, running for assembly. Don't forget again, tomorrow is election day. You can actually vote early today. 
at many of the city halls and everything in both the Fairbanks and the Kenai. Uh, but uh, tomorrow is the big day. Don't forget to get out there. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, in the break, Aaron Gibson, our guest. Uh, One final bite at the apple, so to speak. Aaron, any final thoughts? Something I didn't bring up. A topic that I didn't touch on or something you think is important, uh, you know, I'd just like to give you the last couple minutes here to uh, to reach out and and uh, and and do what we need to do here. So give you I'll give you that bite at the apple. Yeah, thanks. Um, so one of the things we didn't talk about, but I, I and it, I probably should have brought up, but was uh, natural gas. So uh, one of the one of the things I think is important, uh, just not only for um, uh uh, individuals, but the borough as a whole, as I think, is uh, we can benefit from more natural gas. Um, I uh, I got to chair the second climate action change committee here in the borough that uh, Ledeski appointed me to, and um, uh, one of the things that we we focused on is a lot more adaptation. Like and one of the and that's and really that's that's the thing is like we live in an energy desert here, so we need to figure out ways that make it affordable for people to heat homes. Uh, so whether that's uh, making sure that we are making timber available for people to go cut wood, or we're uh, figuring out ways that people want to heat their homes with with different fuels. Um, and I think natural gas is really the future here because that's, um, you know, right now at four bucks a gallon, all of a sudden, you know, PFDs happen and, 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 and heating fuel jumps from, uh, from uh, you know, three three fifty to four bucks. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's, it makes it tough for a family to heat a home. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it actually sounds not too bad. I think the last time I had my heating tank fuel before I uh, heating tank filled before I left Fairbanks, it was five and change a gallon. You know, so I mean, that's that's not bad. But still, when you look at it for this for the winter, that's a that's a big push. And natural gas is. I, I mean, I agree that I think natural gas is uh, is a great thing. We, I mean, when I moved down here, I saved a ton of money over the first eight months just in that alone. I mean, my heating bill is a fraction of what it was up in Fairbanks. But of course, now we've got issues like being able to get, you know, cook inlet gas and everything else. I mean, this is going to be a problem. Uh, you know, this is going to be a problem for the future. Where do we get the gas? Do we import it? Do we get our own? Do we do a pipeline? I mean, the, there's lots of questions there. Yeah. IGU just signed a really big deal for with uh, uh, Hillcorp. Yep. And um, there's going to be truck rolling from the North Slope hauling natural gas to Fairbanks. So yeah. Um, uh, it'll it'll give a, a slight increase in natural gas costs, um, but uh, but you know even trucking natural gas here is is still cheaper than what heating fuels cost to people. So um, I switched over to natural gas last year. I did the uh, I did the borough changeout program, and I and I was able to 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 gain like a thirty percent reduction in in costs for my 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 home. Right, switching from heating fuel to natural gas. So yeah, well, it's definitely a, it's definitely a. Uh... It's definitely a tough thing. The heat in Fairbanks, definitely a tough uh, situation, uh, that's for sure. I think that was one of the things that ultimately led me leaving Fairbanks was uh, just the, the the cost of that and the stress of, you know, heating your home every month and then 
not knowing if the borough is going to send the smoke police out to write you a ticket and everything else. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a tough deal. That's for sure. Uh, all right, Aaron Gibson, anything else? No, I think that's it. And, uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, and, uh, uh, if you, uh, are listening to this and it's, uh, still, uh, October 2nd, be sure to vote on October 3rd. We, uh, we get your support out there. Yeah, absolutely. Got to got to get out there. Got to keep that balance on the assembly. Uh, something that they fought very hard for. And uh, so you, so bring a friend. Grab yourself. Bring a friend. Take your kid. Uh, take your your spouse. You know, aunt, uncle, friend, whatever. Uh, take your dog. Vote early. Vote often. We got to get all that stuff out there. All right. Uh, thank you, Aaron. I appreciate you coming on board and joining us. All right, thank you. All right, Aaron Gibson, uh, our guest here uh, on the program uh for uh for today here so paying close attention to what's going on in our communities this is what this is what we need to be doing this kind of stuff paying attention to what's affecting us here locally and how we can uh uh and how we can make a difference rather than what's going on in all the whole big national scale and all that kind of stuff so that's important uh, all right. Final questions, final thoughts, anything you guys want to chat about. Now's the time to uh, put that in there. Um, uh, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Feel free to uh, feel free to throw stuff in there. Um, Chris, Chris says, I'm so happy to get to pay the second half of my property taxes today. Don't spend it all in one place, Fairbanks. Yeah, I know. I forgot about that. I got to go. I've got to have to do that when I'm in town next time is go in and pay my property taxes. Ugh. Never, it never rains, but it pours, my friends. Never rains, but it pours. That's what it's all about down there right now. Um, Going up here. Um, Rita says we need to get back to the basics education of curriculum, not the curriculum that pushes a socialism agenda. I mean, I agree. I mean, we need to be focusing on reading and writing and arithmetic, you know, the, the, the classic, the classical education versus a lot of the other shenanigans that are going on around there as well. I agree with that. Um, are there COVID funds still sitting? What was this? Are there COVID funds still sitting in education that have not been used? Sorry, Terry. I didn't see that question before we got uh, squared away here. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, Barbara can answer that in the, in the uh, chat room. Uh, maybe she can tell us, uh, um, you know, whether that's going on, uh, how about buying chalkboards? Here we go. Okay, uh, final segment here for the program today, finishing up. Again, a reminder that tomorrow is Election Day in the Fairbanks North Star Borough and in the Kenai Peninsula Borough. Both of those areas experiencing their local elections tomorrow. Down here in the Matsu, we'll be seeing that in November. But um, this is my, I guess this is my last hurrah for today to give you the exhortation to 
make sure you get out there and vote. Uh, regardless of what area you're in, peninsula or interior, this is important stuff. This is the thing that is going to, you know, this is the stuff that's going to affect your day-to-day -day life in a much larger way than everything you're seeing on the national stage, the national news, all that other kind of stuff. I mean, this stuff's important. Don't get me, I mean, I, I don't want to, but it's happening, you know, away from what we can control. So being aware of it's one thing fixating it, which I think is the tendency these days, fixating on it is a whole different ball of wax. We need to be paying closer attention to what's going, you know, the borough assemblies, the power of taxation in the borough assemblies is huge. You know, they affect what you do with your property, with your house, the, the taxes on it, the, you know, everything else. This is all very, very important to us as property owners, as homeowners, uh, the things that they can do as far as education goes with what's happening with your children or the dollars that are being pulled out of the community to be spent on education. And of course, the bigger things of, you know, questioning whether or not they're going to indebt you in the future in, you know, for bonds and things like that. And, you know, as we just found out with, uh, um, as we just found out with uh, Bill Elam down on the peninsula, the peninsula is facing a very similar situation to what's going on in the interior. The interior has, you know, a, a quarter of a million dollars in uh, in deferred maintenance. The, the Kenai Peninsula the same way, a quarter of a billion dollars. That's, I mean, when you're, you're talking about enough th that this is like half of the budgets, right? I mean, they've got they've got a significant amount of money that has to go on to facilities that they already own, and that they've been um, that they've been putting out, uh, you know, building facilities and utilizing them, and not paying for the upkeep and maintenance on these facilities, because somebody decided that the money that was appropriated or scheduled or budgeted out for keeping these things up to date and fixed and tuned was better spent in other areas. And that's troubling because that's not that's not good stewardship. That's not good, you know, when you pay millions of dollars for a facility regardless of what it is, whether it's a gymnasium or a swimming pool or a school, and the monies that were set aside to upkeep those facilities are then basically shanghaied and detoured to pay for something else. Because, oh, we can wait a few more years on that. That is just classic mismanagement. And, it, and we've let it get out of control. I mean, to the tune of when, you know, when you have a $250 million in unfunded mandates or unfunded maintenance for many of these facilities, you've got to start asking the question of, whoa, 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 wait a second. Where did the money go that was supposed to go to that? And see, that's that's one of the things that very few people are asking. Where is the money that was supposed to, you know, fix that carpet, replace that roof, update that heating system, do all these things that they no, but instead they just come back with a multi-billion dollar, multi-million dollar, multi-year bond package that fixes all our problems. Except it doesn't always fix all our problems because we know, for example, I mean the the most heinous example to me on this was when they 
had the Nordale School in Fairbanks. They had a school in Fairbanks that had been there for a year, for years. I mean, it was a 45, 50-year-old school. Uh, and they decided in their infinite wisdom, you know, it would be really a good idea. Let's tear this one down and build a new one. Now, we still had bond issues on that school. There was still t- we were still paying back on renovations and updates and upgrades to that school. We still had 10 years on some of these bond issues. And what did we decide to do? Well, we tore it down and we built a new one while still owing money on the old one. And that's just, that's crazy. Well, it was a 50-year-old. There are schools down in the lower 48 that are 60, 70, 80, 100 years old. And they're still going strong. Well, I know it's Alaska and it's cold and it's a whole different. It's always some reason why it would be better to have new than it would be to have old. And there's a, boy, there's a strong lobby on that. I guarantee you there's a strong lobby on that. Many of the construction lobbies are like, yeah, we need to build new schools right now. I mean, I know we just built this school last year, but boy, we could tear it down and build a new one for you tomorrow if you're ready for it. I'm being a little facetious, but I mean, this is the this is the thing. This is what we need to be paying attention to. Uh, we need to be focused on what's happening locally. Uh, you know, and let's face it, a lot of this maintenance could be done by local companies. It's dollars that are spent in the private economy. Versus those dollars being captured and used for to fund some other government program. I mean, there, there should be all these things should be focused on and, and, and paid attention to the private property rights. You know, is another thing having the government come in. I mean, first of all, it's insulting that you never even actually own your property. Because you have to pay the you have to pay the the vig to uncles to uncle uncle sugar every every year, or they'll come down and take your property from you, even though you may own it free and clear. But you know that don't matter. They're gonna they're gonna hit you with it on the way out. Um, so you know, and the fact that then they want to come in and tell you what you can do or can't do on your own property is just infuriating. So these are the things that we need to be paying. This is why we need to focus on local issues and why it's so important to vote in your local elections. Because these elections are going to, there's going to be some of these things that are going to be tight. I mean, how many elections have been decided? I mean, in the interior, especially, um, you know, we had, uh, we had a, we had a borough mayor's race that was decided. Uh, it was, was it, I think it was, was it John Coghill and Tammy Wilson? It was decided by 12 votes or maybe it was. Yeah, I, mean, I can't remember who it was. It was Tammy Wilson and so on. 12 votes was the deciding decision. You know, and of course, we had the Catherine Dodge and, and Bart LeBon state race that was decided by one vote. So don't tell me that your vote doesn't matter. I mean, just tell me your vote doesn't matter when you see returns like that. Of course it matters. And again, it matters more at the local level than it ever will at the state or even, you know, the national or even the state level. We can still make it an impact on the state races as well, uh, as is envisioned by that LeBon Dodge thing with one vote. But the local races are the most important. That is the that is the bottom line. We've got to be so grab a friend. Grab your coworker, grab a relative, you know. If your kids are voting age, make sure that they get out there and vote and press upon them how important that is. Do all the things necessary 
to go out there and make a difference, make a change in your community. I can't, I can't stay in it. Stop. I guess I shouldn't say that. I mean, I just, I, I still see the headlines, right? I still see the headlines of shutdown averted at last minute. Okay, great. Am I going to lose any sleep if Kevin McCarthy stops being the Speaker of the House? No. Am I going to lose any sleep if the government had shut down? No, not really. So what do I lose sleep over? Whether or not my property taxes are going up, whether or not I'm going to be able to do exactly what I want to do with my own piece of property, uh, whether or not my kids are getting a good education or your kids are getting a good education, whether that money is being spent well or frivolously, whether or not maintenance is being done on our communally owned property of all these, you know, assembly uh, or all these borough, you know, assets and things like that. That's what's important. So get out there and vote. That's what's got to go on. Just keep, just keep going. Keep going. Again, tomorrow on the Kenai and in Fairbanks, local municipal elections. In the Matsu, it's going to be in November, so we got a little time on that. But tomorrow is election day. Tomorrow, we're going to have uh, Chris Story on the program. Brad Keithley's traveling. He won't be joining us. We'll figure out something else for hour one. We'll be back then. Have a great day, my friends. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. Okay. Well, hopefully that wasn't too much of a train wreck. Um... I think I'm going back to lay down. That's that's how I, that's how it is today. I will see you guys tomorrow. Be kind. Love one another. Don't don't troll each other. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 